Okay, we're going to be looking at the book of Colossians and we're finishing our series in the book of Colossians today by looking at uh, Paul's final greeting at the end of uh, chapter, chapter 4, starting at verse 7. So it's funny, sometimes we, we sometimes can find ourselves skipping the genealogies in the Bible, you know, the list of the births and who was the mother, who was the father, and sometimes we can skip the final greetings. But there's so much in this final greeting. And Paul says, uh, Ticketus will tell you about my activities. This is in verse 7 of chapter 4. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with Omnisius, our faithful and beloved brother, who was one of you, they will tell you everything that has taken place here. Articius and my, my fellow prisoner greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, and as he comes from that church in Colossae, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always, struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. For uh, I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and those in Laodicea and Herapus. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea, to, to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, uh, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter of Laodicea. And this is the bit we're really going to focus on. And say to Agrippus, see to it that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write with greetings with my own hand and remember my chains, grace be with you. I just love the fact that, that these, are, you know, these are real people. You know, this is, these were letters written to real men and women who knew one another. And I love all the terms that just give you a sense of relationship and family and community and people who knew one another and walked deeply with one another. Lovely phrases like beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant. And Paul wants them to know how he is and what's going on. He wants to encourage their hearts with his own story and what God is doing with him and through him. He talks about Anisius being a faithful and beloved brother. He talks about fellow prisoners. He talks about fellow workers and people who have comforted him and uh, people who struggle on behalf of other people, that these people might be mature and strong, and Luke, the beloved brother. It's just this real flavour of people walking together, at working their call to glorify Jesus and to see the gospel go to all the earth was done in community and in family. And like we've said before, Paul hadn't been to this church, but he loves these people and uh, he knows about them. And so he says this phrase in verse 17, and to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you've received from the Lord. And I want to unpack these 
phrases. See to it that you fulfill the ministry that you have received from the Lord. Ministry. What is ministry? Ministry is service. Service of people. And sometimes when we think about ministry, we think about people who are in full-time ministry. Have you heard that? People say, I feel called to the ministry. But actually, all of life is ministry. All of life is service to God. You know, working as unto the Lord. All of life is spiritual. All of life is ministry. All of life is an opportunity to love and serve people. The Bible doesn't really split life into the sacred, the thing that happens in a church building, and the secular. In Jesus, everything is spiritual. So whatever your role in life, and most of you spend probably 98% of your life not in a church meeting, but doing life, everything you do is ministry, and it makes a difference. There's a McDonald's in Plumstead just down the road where a, a lady uh, who is from Poland looks after the hospitality. She clears the tables. She creates the most amazing atmosphere in the way that she talks to people, loves people, makes sure the environment is spotless and clean. I would say there's a supernatural gift of hospitality on her. She's a believer, beautiful Catholic woman, loves, loves God, and there's something comes out of her of hospitality. <clears throat> All of life is service. Have you noticed when you ring someone in a call centre and they really look after you, and they say they'll ring you back and they do? how that makes you feel, you feel seen, you feel that your needs are being met, you feel looked after. That actually is ministry, that's service. So how do we discover what our ministry and our service is? How do we discover what it is we've received from the Lord? Because it says here, see to it that you fulfill the ministry that you've received from the Lord. And sometimes Yes, there is that ministry that's our every day, our nine to five, our, some of you do shifts, whatever hours you work. We're to see that as ministry. We're to see that as service unto God. And there's also a sense of I'm on earth for something too. So how do we discover that passion? Ministry is discoverable through the decision, I'm going to love people and glorify God. When we make our call, uh, our core identity in life, I'm going to love men and women, and I'm going to glorify God, we discover what our ministry is. We discover what we're on earth for. Sometimes it comes from getting clarity by seeing the needs around you. It starts by you see something, and it could be you see something in your workplace, and you think there's something missing here in the place where I work. And you think, actually, I could meet that need. I could uh, bring a change to that need. I heard of one school, I believe, where there was a lot of bickering around people using all the milk 
in the uh, kind of staff room. And one person saw the need and decided that every day they would pop into, I don't know, the co-op, pick up milk, so there's always enough milk in the fridge so no one has to squabble about the milk running up and who used the milk. That's, I saw a need, I wanted to love and glorify God and I met that need in that way. It's what needs can I see? We can hear things that make us itch and we think I need to find a solution to that. We've often used the quote that statistically people, that men live 10 years longer who live in Bexley Heath than who live in Plumstead. And so you might think actually there's a ministry there around health and diet and, and, and helping people have a healthy lifestyle. What needs do you see around you? So it can be in the church as we gather, and it can be in the world where you work. Sometimes it can be that you feel that the job you do is not your passion and not your greatest aspiration. But then you can say, how could I do what I do in the most God-honouring, loving way that I possibly could could do it. It might be that you're retired and you think, actually, I don't go to work. How could you love the people in the community? What needs do you see that you think I could meet? It also says that this ministry that this man received is from the Lord. You have received in the Lord. There's something that's come to him that's from God and God's design that he is to fulfil. Ministry, service, the thing that we do to love people and to serve people is something that we receive from God. That each of us is unique. Each of us is God's workmanship. Each of us, Ephesians says, is like God's poem to display the uniqueness of God to the world. Each of us have a lane to run in. We have a lane to run and we have a part to play. We have a door that's open to us, whether it's in the local church or in all of life. You are an original. This is amazing. Billions of people on the planet, there is nobody on earth like you and like me. You are an original. You have a unique God-given set of personality and gifts and talents and ability nobody can display God like you can there's no one else on the planet in all the billions of people here like you we as a local church are a unique local church designed by Jesus to display the manifold grace of God to the nations we are an original that means there's no competition or comparison between people. It means that the ministry you receive isn't to be compared to the ministry that someone else received. You can get on with what he has called you to do. You can change the world by taking your everyday ordinary life and using it to love people, serve people and glorify God. So how do we discover what it is we're on earth for? How do we discover what we've received from God? Because I can guarantee that each of you 
have received something from God. Sometimes it's just having a different set of lens to see your everyday life. So how do we discover our unique contribution to the body and to the world? One of them is providence. In other words, circumstances cause you to see a need and to see how you can love and serve people. So, for example, I heard of one guy that one of the realities of COVID meant that his capacity and gifting within media was suddenly at the forefront and suddenly fundamentally needed. Providence and circumstances caused what was a kind of in, a kind of passion for technology to suddenly be an absolute necessity and he found a way of serving God and received a ministry because providence and circumstances opened his eyes to serving people in a unique way. Other people um, started to do things like during the pandemic dropping notes through people's door random strangers and saying do you need any shopping being done it's not something they would have ever done before but providence and circumstances caused them to see a need and see a way that they could love and serve people so sometimes a shift in maybe your workplace or a shift in family can cause you to see something you've not seen before sometimes that can be a way that God causes you to receive a ministry Another way of discovering that ministry is, is to discover what really energises you. You kind of know when you're running in your lane because you come alive. And, it, and it, you, you say, when I did that, it was really, really satisfying and I came alive. That when I did this hospitality thing or when I, when I sorted out a, a practical issue or when I um, sat with someone and just listened to their story and, and just, just brought my story to them, I just felt I came alive. Sometimes listening to what energises us and sometimes listening to what exhausts you can be an understanding of what you've received from the Lord. It can be a clear clue to you. Some people love God by reading and reading and reading and reading and then bringing what they read to other people. Some people love God getting alongside people and getting on with a practical pro project together and making it happen. Find out what it means for you to love people and you can discover that through discovering what brings you alive. Our emotions can be the voice of God to us. Sometimes we say, if God's got something for me to receive, it's going to be something I don't like. I mean, where do we get that from? That, that God is just looking at our lives and thinking, I know what, I'll call Jamie to what makes him most miserable. <laughs> There's a receiving of something that is God-designed. We're God's workmanship. We're his handiwork. We're his poem. We're knitted together fearfully and wonderfully. And it's so amazing and so we can discover, this makes me feel alive. We can look at our own personal story. Remember the prophetic words that people have given you. Remember the, the things that God has said to you. Think about what other people say to you. 
when they say, well done, I really loved what you did there. Kind of keep a mental note of, oh, I did this and I really came alive and then someone came up to me and said, thank you, that really helped me. That can be another way of knowing what you've received from God. What do other people say about your gifts and talents? That's why it's so important that we're walking deeply with one another, that we're, we're walking with other people who know us, who know when we come alive, who can encourage us. What do the testimonies say? Like, you did something and it really worked, and it, it really made a difference, and it, something happened. What does the fruit say? You know, the fruit that just emerges in your life. What people say about you. When you spoke those words, I just came alive. When you did this, it brought me joy. When you, when you cooked that meal for me, I felt seen and loved. The fruit, what does it say? In your exploration of what you received, walk with other people. Let other people bring advice and confirmation to you. So this is a family thing. It's a body thing. So in the church, there's a sense of which it, it happens through the confirmation and through the feedback of others. Out, out, in, out in the world, it can just be that we notice what's needed and we listen to the difference that it makes. I would say in local church, one of the clearest and easiest ways to discover what you've received from God is go from the general, in other words, you just see a need and you get stuck in, God will lead you to the specific. I've seen this again and again and again. You just, whatever it is, you just get stuck in and you just see the need, you serve in the need. God sees that momentum, encourages that momentum and he leads you from the general to the specific. And I've told you many times my story, the first responsibility I had in any type of church setting was I made 67 blackcurrant juices for creche. That was the first thing I ever did. Never, I hadn't done anything ever. And that led to doing kids work and youth work and it led to different things. And for a long time it was the general to the specific. General to the specific. It's, it's like that picture of a ship. You know, it's easier to move a steering, a, a, a moving ship than it is to move a ship that's not moving. Have you seen that? Even if it's moving slowly, it's much easier to get momentum on something that's moving than something that isn't moving at all. The other thing is, every prophetic word and promise you've received from God will come in seed form. That that God might say to you, I've got nations for you to influence. He, and it will come as a seed called one person from another nation that you love. That every prophetic word starts as a seed. Every single great promise from God. And, and sometimes we, we hear the great promise and we expect the way that God's going to do it is he's just going to jump us into the great promise. But actually what he gives us is a seed. And what I would say is look after the seed. Look after the seed. When, you're, when you think about dreams, it might be uh, seeing multiple people set free. Look after the seed. When it might be a heart to influence a whole continent, look after the seed. When it, when it, when it might be a dream to feed the multitudes, look after the seed. 
Mother Teresa said this, love the one, love the one, love the one. And that ministry that started in Calcutta through Mother Teresa just loving one person after one person. And, and people would say, but it's just a, drip in the, a drop in the ocean. There's millions of, of orphans and poor and, and, and people who are struggling. And she would say, if, it was, if, if I didn't put that one drop in the ocean, the ocean would be smaller. And you can see that all over the place, whether it's Heidi and Roland Baker and Mozambique, and it starts with just loving the one orphan in front until, until now there's loving hundreds and thousands of orphans in Mozambique and planting multiple thousands of churches. Every promise comes in seed form. Invest in the seed. So if your sense of, yeah, I've got a calling to be, I don't know, a, a, a great communicator, then invest in the seed. Begin to look at the Bible and think, how will I communicate this? Begin to read books on communication. Book into seminars about communication. And whatever it is, look after the seed. And then he says this phrase, see to it, see that you fulfill the ministry. And I'm wonder, I think Paul must be saying that because if this guy was just busy doing it, there would be no need for an encouragement or exhortation, see to it that you're fulfilling it. Because if he's busy doing it, he's not going to come to him and say, see to it that you fulfill it, because it's obvious he's doing the stuff, he's doing the work. It could be that as he's carrying out this ministry, there's resistance and there's difficulties and there's friction and there's obstacles and there's barriers that he's coming against things. And Paul is saying, see to it that you fulfill. Hey, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop. You've got something to fulfill. You've got something to get done. You've got a call from God that you've received that needs to be fulfilled. There's something important that you need to do. In other words, endurance and resilience. Endurance and resilience. I would say that every time we receive a seed from God and we faithfully begin to steward it, we will be impacted by things that will be obstacles, barriers, um, difficulties, challenges that will cause us in our heart to think, is this worth it? I want to quit. I want to back off. I don't want to do it. And Paul says to this guy, see to it that you fulfill it. See to it that you don't quit. See to it that you keep going. Some people say that when it gets the darkest, often it's in the moment of breakthrough. And I don't know, people say is it that before the dawn, the night is darkest. I don't know if that's true or not. I tend not to be awake then to, <laughs> to do a survey on whether it's dark or not. I'm asleep. But they say it's darker. But then, very quickly, the sun comes up, there's breakthrough. We just don't, sometimes we're pressed up against the wall and we think, I just want to quit, it would just be easier. Could it be that you're on the brink of breakthrough? And then Paul's words of exhortation says, see to it that you fulfill. Don't become frustrated. Have a mindset of hope and expectation. And I want to finish with this word, see to it that you fulfill. 
This suggests that a minute, I want us to see all of life in this line, light, that all of life has a beginning and middle and end. That our ministry, that our service to people and loving people has a beginning, middle and end. There's a sense in which in jobs we think, um, I've, I've clearly got done in this job what I needed to get done. There's been a fulfilment. There's been a completion. So Paul is saying to this guy, see to it that you fulfill. See that, to it that you complete. There, there could be a time of transition, but Paul is saying this isn't the moment of transition. This is the moment of pressing on, being diligent, and working it through. And so I'd say that in all of the, whether it's within the local church, that you might have a responsibility. And I would say, work it out with people. Because what I would say as well, is that when we hit friction, disappointment and discouragement, we often interpret that as being, this is a time of transition. But when we walk it through with God and with other people, we might hear them say, no, there's something you've received from God that still needs to be fulfilled. There's a work that you're involved in that you need to fulfill. So before we say it's an end, and I would say walking deeply with people, whether it's in your work or the ministry within local church, chat with other people. Do you think I've really done yet? Do you think I've really done yet? Do you think there's still more for me to do in this? Is there still something more I need to complete? And being open to someone saying to you, I think you want to quit and you want to transition because it's got really, really hard. I think there's something you need to hold on to. There's something you still need to work through. There's a work still to be done there. I think there's more fruit for you there. And of course, we find out individually what pleases the Lord and we're not a slave to another person's opinion but there's something about the counsel of others there's something about walking deeply with other people and there's also something I think is wise come to a decision on something and then leave it with God and say I'm not going to talk about this anymore for a couple of weeks God if this is a time of a transition for me I think it might be, if I'm wrong, I'm, not to, I, I, I'm going to give a couple of weeks for you to come and lead, guide and direct me and bring me clarity. And then once you've made your decision, don't be double-minded about it. And uh, don't be double-minded about pressing on and fulfilling it. And don't be double-minded about a time of transition either. So he says to Acrippus, see that you... Fulfill the ministry that you have received from the Lord. Zoning onto the church. Do you see needs around us that you think, I could fulfill that? Do you see general things you think, I could make a difference in that? Lord Jesus, we thank you that each and every one of us is unique. Thank you that each and every one of us is specially designed by you to display your glory. Thank you that even if the work we do from Monday to Friday feels incredibly mundane and even 
so difficult and challenging that even that can be a way of loving people and glorifying God. That the attention that we give, the kindness in our voice if we work in a call centre, our attentiveness to let our yes be yes and our no be no, our following up on the details, our fruit of the Spirit as we're patient with people in whatever we do. All these are opportunities, our our pursuit of excellence and hospitality in the food industry, our hope for young people as we're teaching in our schools, our attentiveness to patients and hearing their, hearing their story if we work in the medical profession or in hospitals. Whatever it is, our opportunities to shine for Jesus and to demonstrate his goodness and his concern and love for people. So we pray, God, that everything that we do would have that, I've got a thing on earth to fulfill. I'm not just going from Monday to Friday, getting through so I can get to Friday night and the weekend. My life is imbued with significance and meaning. I'm on the planet for purpose. In our creativity, in the way we display the excellencies of God. I pray that we just be full of just such an anticipation, even at our day-to-day -day ordinary lives, can be a huge way of manifesting your goodness and loving people. Amen.